Uh, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Rebecca F., as in Frank, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, October 5th, 2017, and this is our 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are in Chapter 11, A Vision for You, on pages 153 and 154. We will be reading and commenting on five paragraphs, starting with the third paragraph on page 153, which begins with, in the chapter, Working with Others, through the third paragraph on page 154, which ends with, To Him from the Bar. Today's readers are Terry N., Betty W., Larry K., Leslie W., and Naomi B. Our newcomer greeter is Dorita P. The reference number for yesterday's Wednesday, October 4th, 2017's 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting is 10501. That's 10-501. And the reference number for yesterday's 10 a.m. Eastern Time meeting is 10501. 503. That's 10503. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self supporting through our own contributions neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Terry N. to read the 12 Steps of OA. Hi, this is Terry N. from New Jersey, compulsive overeater. The 12 Steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 
10. Continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks so much for the opportunity for service. Thank you, Terry Ann. I will now ask Betty W. to read the 12 Traditions of OA. Betty W., star one to unmute. Hi, Rebecca. I thought I was unmuted. Um, Good morning, um, everyone, and Rebecca, thank you for leading the meeting, and thank you for allowing me to do service. Um, The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. The only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group or never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never to be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. And 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never to be drawn into public controversy. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Betty W. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, Let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book in chapter 11 of Vision for You on pages 
153 and 154. We will be reading and commenting on five paragraphs, starting with the third paragraph on page 153, which begins with, in the chapter Working with Others, through the third paragraph on page 154, which ends with, to him from the bar. I will now ask Larry Kay to go ahead and do just that. Hey, Rebecca, good morning. Can you hear me okay? I hear you great, Larry. Good morning. Oh, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for your service. <clears throat> okay, Larry Kay, Recovered Compulsive Reader. In the chapter, Working with Others, you gathered an idea of how we approach and aid others to health. Suppose now that through you, several families have adopted this way of life. You will want to know more about how to proceed from that point. Perhaps the best way of treating you to a glimpse of your future will be to describe the growth of the fellowship among us. Here is a brief account. Years ago in 1935, one of our number made a journey to a certain Western city. From a business standpoint, his, tri his trip came off badly. He had been successful in his enterprise, or had he been successful in his enterprise, he would have been set on his feet financially, which at the time seemed vitally important. But his venture wound up in a lawsuit and bogged down completely. The proceeding was shot through with much hard feeling and controversy. Bitterly discouraged, he found himself in a strange place, discredited and almost broke. Still physically weak and sober, but a few months, he saw that his predicament was dangerous. He wanted so much to talk with someone, but whom? One dismal afternoon, he paced a hotel lobby, wondering how his bill was to be paid. At one end of the room stood a glass-covered directory of local churches. Down the lobby, a door opened into, attractive, into an attractive bar. He could see the gay crowd inside. In there, he would find companionship and release. Unless he took some drinks, he might not have the courage to scrape an acquaintance and would have a lonely weekend. Of course he couldn't drink, but why not sit hopefully at a table, a bottle of ginger ale before him? After all, had he not been sober six months now? Perhaps he could handle, say, three drinks, no more. Fear gripped him. He was on thin ice. Again, it was the old insidious insanity, that first drink. With a shiver, he turned away and walked down the lobby to the church directory. Music and gay chatter still floated to him from the bar. All right, well, let me set my timer here. So please bear with me. Okay. Um, so, you know, here's, you know, we're reading from a vision for you, and, and so it's given a vision. And on May 11th, 1935, Bill encountered a threat to his uh, newfound sobriety, and he was on a business trip uh, to Ohio, and he found himself standing in the lobby of the hotel craving a drink. I've, I've felt that before with food. And with growing anxiety, he sort of contemplated his options. And he basically narrowed his choices to two. He could order a, order a cocktail in the hotel bar or call another recovering alcoholic and ask for help in staying sober. And he, he knew that this choice, uh, with it came some high stakes because he was an alcoholic of the hopeless variety. He had nearly drunk himself to, to death. This guy endured... Um, a bunch of hospital stays to detox. And during his last visit, he hit bottom and cried out for uh, for divine mercy. And, 
you know, I remember we read if there, he said, if there be a God, let him show himself. And at that moment, he still had a uh, more of a sudden type of experience, spiritual awakening. I, I had something that took longer, but, but there was no divine blaze, you know, in the lobby of the Mayflower Hotel in Akron. It was just the dim lights of the bar and the, the lure of, you know, having another drink. And so he's pacing through the lobby and he finds a church directory. And within minutes, he's on the phone with the local minister, a bunch of calls, and he, he eventually meets Dr. Bob. Now, I mean, the consciousness that created the problem cannot be the consciousness that solves the problem, right? We don't know what we don't know. So I, I needed, as Bill needed, a new pair of perceptive lenses to see so that, so that we can become awakened. That's what happens here. The light needs to be a bit brighter and that light is so subtle that we don't even realize we've been changed until after the fact. And it says, you know, we read, we beg of you to lay aside your prejudice. You know, because if I hold on to my old ideas and conceptions, if Bill did, he would have made the call, then we die in this disease. So I need to set aside everything I think I know for a new experience. And they called it, the, the old Oxford group called it soul surgery. Our brokenness needs to be revealed and it needs to be healed. And this, for me, is about a spiritual process of submission. That's what Bill did. It was a spiritual process of submission. If that makes you cringe, good, because it made me cringe. Time for some soul searching. I needed to submit. And here's an important question that I need to ask myself. In what areas am I being dishonest about how I'm attempting to work this program and what does it mean to go to any lengths? Bill was willing to go to any lengths. At some point, I was willing to go to any lengths. With that, I will pass. Thanks. Thanks, Larry Kay. Who would like to share on these five paragraphs that Larry just read? Harlan G. Ross Adams. Melissa C. Harlan G. Russ. Helene. I think I heard. Did you hear Helene, Melissa C? <laughs> okay, Melissa C. Oh. Craig F. Someone repeats that I didn't get Craig Reba. F. I got Rasa. Reva C. Uh, Reva. And did I hear Terry? Terry C. Is it T-E-R-I? Yeah, that's good enough. Thank you. R-T-E-R-R-I, maybe? Okay. Yeah. Okay, let me tell you who I wrote down, and then you can tell me if I missed your name. Harlan C., Russ F., I believe. Helene, I didn't get your initial. Melissa C., Vasa O., Craig F., Reva P., I believe, and Terry C. Who did I miss? Okay, a correction for me is that it's Russ M, not Russ F. <laughs> I, if I got everyone, we'll go with this list then. Harlan G, please go ahead. Thank you, Rebecca, and thank you to Team Thursday for making this magnificent meeting possible. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. And I love this I love this book, but I particularly love this part of the chapter because it's chock full of history and it's chock full of God's handiwork because our history, our fellowship hung in the balance here of a decision made 
in May of 1935, a decision that was made by Bill Wilson to go to the phone directory rather than in the bar and start drinking. Bill Wilson went to Akron, Ohio on a proxy fight. What does that mean? It means that he was heading up a group of investors to try to take over a company called Akron Tool and Die. And they made stuff for the tire industry. A lot of the tires that we roll on if, we're, if they're made in America, they come from Akron, Ohio. The nickname of Akron is Rubber City, USA. And had his wishes come true, had his desires come true, then Bill Wilson would be no more than just another person who came and went. But we will remember his name forever. And the sun will never set on what he did because of God intervening and giving him not what he wanted, not what he desired, not what he went there to accomplish, but something infinitely, infinitely better. And so it is with our lives too, my life in particular. I think I go in for something that I want. And if I turn my will, which is my thinking, and my life, which is my actions, over to the care and direction of God, I get something much better. I came to Overeaters Anonymous because people were hounding me that I owed money to to go to the meeting. And I came here to get them off my back. Then I came here to find a way to stay on my diet. Then I came here to find a way to eat everything I wanted and still be thinner. And I came back again and I found you and I found my higher power and I found the greatest way of life imaginable. This is the most magnificent journey. We're just starting to get into Bill's journey, which is all of our journeys. I believe very, very sincerely that God had a job for Bill Wilson as he has a job for each and every one of us. Overeaters Anonymous built a mansion and I believe that Vision for You takes that mansion for us and makes it into a palace because it infused something that a lot of OA meetings lacked. True, strong, recovery. And we're going to see how that journey is beginning for Bill in the following days and the following actually into next week as well, for sure. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Harlan W. I mean, G. I don't know why I said that. Harlan G. Russ M. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Rebecca. Thank you for your service. Wow. Russ M. from uh, Philadelphia, Boston, Overeater. Sorry about that. I get carried away sometimes when I hear these words in this book. You know, thank God Bill didn't start drinking that day. Every one of us would have been jacked up. We would have been hopeless. You know, I, when, it, when it talks about him looking into the bar and, and um, you know, I don't know if his mind was starting to go a different way. And, you know, many times in my life, I've been in that position. And it it created devastation. I didn't know it then. I didn't know it. 
But as uh, um, uh, the scales are being lifted from my eyes through this program, I realize there's many times that my mind and this obsession and allergy just took over on me. And you know, I thought I was doing the right thing. You know, I thought, you know, I knew what I was doing. And frankly, you know, it just wasn't, wasn't, that wasn't the case. So, you know, I always give you the Sicilian thing and the Italian thing, but I'm like, this is almost every weekend for me with meals and parties. And there's so many times that, that, that I, I would feel cornered, but now it's not, it's not that way because really it's not the food. It's not the food. It's how I'm managing life. And thank God Bill did what he did. He got on that and called somebody. Because you know what? I would be hopeless. I would be dead. I'd be dying probably with a cheesesteak in my mouth. And today it's just different. And it's um, I don't have it nipped. I ain't got it figured out. But I know one thing. If I stick to what this book says and surrender to God, it will work out. It may not work out the way I want it but it will work out for my best interest and my family and everyone I'm dealing with. So, you know, thank God for Bill. That's kind of my theme these days. I realize what this man has done for for society. And, uh, yeah, we, there's a, there's a, we have a power, you know, that, that can take care of this deal for all of us. So don't feel hopeless. Don't be, don't despair. Don't despair. Just keep it simple. Keep it simple. I'm digging this book. And I thank you all for being here for me and helping me trudge on and be free. Thank you. I love you guys. Have a wonderful day. And I'll pass. Thank you, Russ. And Helene, and could you give us your last initial again? Hi, I'm Helene L., by the way. Um, And I love this meeting, and I'm committed to my abstinence and recovery. And um, I love the intensity and the way I hear people share. This part of the big, this part of the big book is so strong. I mean, I, I've been away from compulsive overeating now for probably 44 years, and I um, there are times there are times where I I'm on the brink of insanity, and I I totally relate. To the gaiety, the um, denial, the whatever that that scene was um, in the bar, and you know, um, especially when painful things happen. And um, what's really, really helped me is, I guess, what I know from this program is that I'm not alone. Number one that no matter what's going on in my life, I don't have to handle it alone. And and the other thing that really helps me, especially these days when the world is crazy, is that the reason why I'm on this planet is to be of service. You know, that's, that's more powerful than my desire to, well, it would be killing myself. To overeat, um, it would be um, it would be a living death, and I don't want to die. Not that way. So, um, but I really appreciate this meeting because the intensity that I feel I hear um, in the shares, and it's 
true um, what someone shared. You know, I think I go to a place for one reason, and then all of a sudden I say to myself, oh, my God, I'm here for something else, you know, and I didn't even know. It's, it's being open to be of service. Thank you. Thank you, Helene L. Melissa C. Hi, good morning, Rebecca. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C. Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New York. And, um, you know, so like a couple of things jumped out at me. One is, thank God, um, Bill didn't get what he wanted, you know, and um, because if he did, we don't know how, you know, what if he would have gotten what he wanted? Um, he wouldn't have had the necessity to get busy finding someone to help and, um, you know, and, and the rest is history. And the other thing that, you know, grabs me is um, he was, he was um, sober, you know, he was sober at this point and, and still, you know, the thought of the drink returned and, you know, he was in a, in a situation where he was feeling bitter. Like it says that he was feeling bitter um, and, and, you know, in my words, like likely pissed off, like it's not going his way and he's feeling pissed. And, um, you know, and so that's when the disease, you know, has this whisper, like companionship and release. And like I chuckle over that because this guy is, he's admittedly a lone wolf when he's drinking and owned by the alcohol and that's me too and yet um when i'm feeling bitter you know and pissed off that i'm not getting my way the thought of um having companionship um around food around the extra around a dinner out um it seems logical in that moment like i look at everyone else who's doing it with impunity without punishment like i can peek in the bar and I can see the laughter and the release. But for me, the food, um, it, it's not companionship. It's isolation. It's eating in my car. It's eating in my bed. Um, and it's not release. It's, it's actually the exact opposite. And, you know, and so my experience, um, you know, just this summer, I had something that pissed me off. My daughter was doing something and I was pissed and we were away on vacation. And, um, yeah, guess what? I got starving. I'm recovered, and my stomach was growling like an hour after breakfast. And, um, you know, following the directions of this book, I cannot get on the phone and just complain about how crappy my kid is or how bad my job is and think that's going to bring me relief. Like, what actually needed to happen is get busy working with other people. And um, that's really the directions I pick up. The fellowship actually grows around me, funny enough, um, when things are not going my way. When it's inconvenient, I know that I need to get busy um, being useful. And that is what gives me companionship and release. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thanks, Melissa C. Vasa O. Yes, good morning, everyone. Thank you, Rebecca, for your service. And I'm Vasa, grateful, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. And uh, like Bill, I can identify with Bill so much. After even I made the decision in my desperation, 
to surrender and uh, put the food in God's hands, the desire, their obsession came back many times. As a matter of fact, it came back the minute I surrendered and I put the food in God's hands. And I said, well, I'll start this. And I had spiritual experience that moment. I had that connection with my higher power. And that moment, I got up and I started walking in the kitchen. I will start this tomorrow. Well, well, that voice came back in my head. Vasa, you just surrender. You just put the food in my hands. And you just had your meal. Well, it scared the crap out of me. I turned around from the kitchen and I came in the bedroom and I wanted to tell my husband about my spiritual experience. I just wanted to shake him up, but I said, no, he won't understand. And I don't even understand myself what has happened to me. I couldn't wait to tell my sponsor the next morning. Well, as I said, the craving came back even the next morning. I wanted to eat. I wanted my fix. I needed my cocaine. And I remember praying to God. I wanted to throw myself on the floor like a little baby. I want my fix, but I didn't. I kept on praying. I was reading my literature. I was, um, the big book, oh, that was such, the doctor's opinion. It was the sugar. I was going through the crave, the withdrawals, and I kept on reading. No matter what, no matter my sponsor said, don't go back to it. You know, just, it's poison. It's going to kill you. And I knew nobody had to diagnose me. That's what was doing to me. And gradually, little by little, the obsession was lifting. But it did not happen one day or two days. And then my sponsor said, now you have the abstinence. Now you got to carry the message. I felt like I had nothing to, to offer. She said, well, you, you talk about your experience and, you know, what God is doing to you, what you couldn't do for myself. God was carrying me one day at a time. Then I had someone else wanted me to sponsor her. She said, well, I don't think you can sponsor me because you, don't, you have a language barrier. This was after quite a few years in recovery and being abstinent. I said, you know, I don't have to, you know, just read the big book. The answers are right there. The solution is right there. And somehow she had a fear because of the language barrier. I might not be able to teach her good enough. And I prayed. I said, Time. good luck. I'll wrap it up. And I prayed to God, please give me somebody else and let's, let's find, find somebody else for her. And that this is the key for me, carrying the message to others. What, what, what an honor, honor, honor. Thank you for letting me share and I pass. And thank you, Vasa O. Craig F. Hi, this is Craig F. Recovered in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Can you hear me? I hear you, Craig. Yes. Good morning. Oh, great. Thank you. Good morning. Thank you for your service. Um, one of the things that um, I always think is important about this story is the realization that he, he had been, Bill had been sober six months. And during that six months, he had uh, carried the message like an evangelist, I think it was described, that he had been out uh, going into bars and trying to get drag. Uh, alcoholics, other alcoholics, uh, 
to, away with him to be sober, and and it hadn't worked. He and he had been pretty frustrated about that. And the thing the thing he said that made this day different in Akron was that he had given up that on the idea that he could ever uh, sober up uh, another alcoholic. That it, but that he did this this day. He did this to keep himself sober. That that he he'd been tempted to drink the glasses tinkling in the bar the whole bit he'd been tempted to drink and he went to he went to get that name from the that church directory and made that call on Dr. Bob not to sober up Dr. Bob but to keep Bill W sober and that's such an important distinction to me to remember uh, my sponsor thanks me every day for helping keep him sober for one more day and uh, I try to remember to do that with my sponsorees and you know it's the reason that we say we live in 10 11 and 12 the growth steps uh, is that we are uh, we're, we're working those steps to keep ourselves abstinent and to keep ourselves out of the food and to keep ourselves growing in recovery and so every sponsoree I have doesn't get it you know not, not everyone gets it some do, some don't. Some are ready, some aren't. But by working with them, working with them all, uh, I it, it helps me. I, I grow in that process. Uh, I stay abstinent in that process, and and that is such an important distinction. And it has a lot to do with keeping my ego in check. You know, it's not if if I had some magic formula. And to a way to work the steps, and every single person I worked with got it, and and went on to start them in the program. Uh, I would start maybe start thinking that was me, you know, and, and my ego would get out of control, which would lead me, uh, I think, back to relapse. But uh, it, it keeps me humble to realize that all I get to do is carry the message, and, and remember, you know, Bill said that when all other when all other measures failed, that working with a newcomer would, would do the trick. And uh, with that, I'll pass. Thank you for allowing me to share. Thank you, Craig F. Reva P. Good morning. This is Reva P., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Toronto. At the beginning of these paragraphs, it says, we're going to give you a glimpse of your future. And they're showing me um, in this um, repeat of Bill's story um, what my future is going to be like. And for me, what this demonstrates um, is living in recovery. This is showing me that Bill is now six months sober, but more than the fact that he's sober, he's worked through all the steps and he's recovered. And this is like living in 10, 11, and 12 because life goes on and things don't go his way and he gets upset. He gets a little bit agitated. This would have been an amazing opportunity if the business um, deal went well. So what does he do? It's almost like he's doing a mini step 10 um, and turning to God and then that moment, that crucial moment, the different, like when my hand is getting close to the refrigerator door, and that's my first thought that I want something. And then I have a second thought, 
and I turn away. That's the difference. That's the differentiation of the true from the false, the lie that tells me this is going to make me feel better versus the truth by doing the step work and realizing what's going on there, what's the resentment, what's the fear, and then turning to God um, and carrying on with the step work. Um, And that moment, that moment only can come if, A, I put down the food, and B, I work through the steps. And it's just like it says in the promises on page 84 and 85 that sanity returns and we recoil like from a hot flame. And this is the first time where he's actually, having gone through the steps, life starts happening, and he has the second thought where he doesn't pick up, and then he goes on and does amazing stuff. Step 12 work, which leads to the program. And that's, that's the moment of truth. Um, and it's just so inspiring and so hopeful that this is the vision for me and for all of us. We do the work, we get through the steps, and then we continue and continue with 10, 11, and 12. So yes, we might have the first thought, but then we have the second thought, and we get to live in recovery. Um, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Terry C. Thank you, moderator. Really excited to be sharing this morning um, and love what so many people shared. And I want to just revisit that companionship and release. I love this paragraph because it just always reminds me of the square equation. You know, the effect produced by food, release and companionship. It just this symbolizes for me what the choice is every day, what the choice is all the time. The choice and, and the fact that Bill goes with the fundamental concept of God. He goes to the church directory and uh, he looks down the hall and he knows the effect is there. He knows and, and of course there's the voices in his head tell him how wonderful that would be. And he, uh, he accepts the spiritual help, he goes to the spiritual help later, that he would craft so beautifully and let us know that that was the alternative, that was the solution. So um, I just wanted to share this morning because every time I read this chapter and that paragraph, it's just obvious to me that I can, you know, I can have that choice every day, blot out the consciousness to the bitter end, which is the companionship and release I find in food where I can accept spiritual help. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Tracy. Before I take more names, I just want to um, let anyone who got on the line late know that first, this is Rebecca S., your moderator. And we read uh, five paragraphs from page 154, starting at the third paragraph. And who else would like to share? We have room for about four or maybe five more people. Lisa B. Dorita P. Lisa D. Sharon C. P. Penny C. Sharon C. Sharon C. Sharon C. And Penny C. And why don't we go with those four and we'll see if there's time for anyone else. Go ahead, Lisa B. Good morning. This is Lisa B., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. Thank you so much, Rebecca, for your service. And I love this reading in this chapter 
a vision for you, our namesake of this group. So there's so much that jumps out at me. I wish I could just go, you know, and have you all hear it, but I'm going to try and convey it. Um, so, you know, I always thought that I knew what was best for me, and I don't know what's best for me. And I have to remember that the sun shines for all of us, you know, not just me. The rain comes down for all of us, the whole planet, not just for me. So one of the things that um, speaks to me is on page 87, we ask especially for freedom from self-will and are careful to make no requests for ourselves only. We may ask for ourselves, however, if others will be helped. And, you know, that's such an opposite way of thinking that with this program, these steps, and being recovered, you know, every day I need to remember that, that my higher power is there to work through me to be of service to others. But it's not about me anymore. You know, it's about me being of service. How can I be helpful to others? How can I be available? And sometimes that's very difficult, you know, for me. Um, the other thing is that line that says uh, the proceeding was shot through with much hard feeling and controversy. And I know that that word shot through is familiar and, and how it works. It talks about fear. You know, how fear um, is the evil and corroding thread that uh, we're all shot through with it. The fabric of my existence is shot through with it. But I, am, I can be a very, very fear-based person. And letting go of that fear on a daily basis through my 10 steps, through my 11 steps, through working with others is vital importance for me and not living in the fear and turning and doing those 10 steps. And then um, when he talks about seeing the gay crowd inside, in there he would find companionship and release. You know, so many times I want the outside, something outside of me to fix me. This is an internal illness. It's a spiritual malady and the power which is unseeable and, un, and really un, unknowable truly, this power. Um, every day I have, I'm, I confront that mystery of this, this higher power that needs to fix me, heal me from the inside out by being entirely abstinent, by being of service to others, by turning to this power and uh, making this power my friend, you know, my companion, going with me everywhere, inviting to go before me. And then the other thing um, is, you know, that's so interesting is in more about alcoholism, it talks about how when we're abstinent, when we're sober, we pick up the drink, that this time it will be different, you know. And that, that thought did enter his mind, but he was able to think it through and, you know, work it through, um, through, through working the steps and being recovered. Um, and then finally that promise on page 100 that if we persist, remarkable things will happen, that when we put ourselves truly in God's hands, you know, the things that happen are better than anything I could have imagined. I have such a limited perspective. You know, I'm finite. This power is all-powerful, all-present, and infinite. And um, I need to put myself in that higher power's hands every day. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Lisa B. Uh, before I call on Dorita, I have to make a correction. I'm sorry I said page 154, but it's 153 to 154. So it's the third paragraph on 153 through the third paragraph on 154. Dorita P., go right ahead. Thank you, uh, Rebecca. My name is uh, Dorita P. from Cleveland, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And before I start, I want to say just a quick thing to the newcomer. Um, I um, I uh, I hated this book. So uh, I love this book now, but I hated this book. I almost despise this book. 
you know, I couldn't relate to it, you know. It was talking about alcoholics, and I'm a compulsive overeater. You know, what does one have to do with the other? Uh, so I just wanted to say that. And I, and I love this book today, and I'm really grateful um, how it's set up. You know, it says, in the chapter, Working with Others, you gathered an idea of how we approach and aid others to health. So, um, you know, and in one part, I was trying to find out where it was, but in one part, it talks about, um, you know, we hope this book contains everything you need to get started. And uh, so I've experienced what happened in the beginning. Um, God and I, um, or my higher power and I, started um, five meetings in five uh, different cities. And uh, the last one we started uh, is patterned after a vision for you. It's called a vision for you, and it's patterned after a vision for you. And all of them are face-to-face meetings. Um, and the the other thing that I want my guy, higher power to help me with or me help my higher power with is to open up a, a halfway house. You know, we have halfway houses for people with al- uh, alcoholics and drug addicts, but I want to open up a halfway house for people with uh, eating disorders. And I have a partner to help me. Uh, we're going to do it together. So it's uh, it's in the making, um, and hopefully it comes to pass. Um, and I'm just really grateful for this program, and I'm so grateful to Bill and Dr. Bob, you know, uh, I'm grateful for Dr. Bob listening to Bill, you know, giving Bill a chance to uh, talk to him. So I'm just really grateful. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Dorita P. Sharon C. Sharon, star one. Oh, man, I was talking. I thought you heard me. Can you hear me now? Now I do. Hi, Sharon. Okay, sorry. This is Sharon C. from New Jersey, Recovered. This is a wonderful paragraph for all these. uh, Anyway, we know Bill was recovered, and still life goes on. It's how, how I react to it. The best way to get out of the food is from selfish to selfless, and God's power is behind Bill's success here. His higher power. He knows the solution, and how he how he was powered by God to pick up that phone. And that's what I have to remember to do. Uh, it's a lot of hope here. And before transformation, I couldn't do any of this. The disease just keeps looking for any opportunity. And I want to say how I, I've listened. I listened for a long time under these uh, these lines for a vision for you. And it, it's just wonderful, very encouraging, and it's changed my life. Um, I have had a spiritual awakening from these steps, uh, but it is... Hello? Can you hear me? We're hearing every word, Sharon. Okay. I heard a click. I didn't know. Okay. Uh, but what what has happened is it, it is a, a daily maintenance, and um, I might have slacked up, slacked off, and I uh, was in relapse. I'm back now, and I'm very grateful, and I love all of you. We all speak the same language. It's wonderful. Thank you. I pass. 
Thank you, Sharon C. Penny C. Penny C. Good morning. I'm here. Thank you, Rebecca. This is Penny C. I'm a recovered compulsive overreader from near Boston. Uh, you know, as I heard everyone speak this morning, and I heard the story yet again about how Bill was able to walk away from that bar. And um, it just it kept coming to me. How did that happen? What's the explanation? And I think the explanation is on page 85, and I'd just like to read some of what comes after the 10th step. It says that um, if we keep in spirit, fit spiritual conditions, this is how we're going to act the way Bill acted. It's easy to let up on the spiritual program of action and rest on our laurels. We're headed for trouble if we do, for alcohol is a subtle foe. We are not cured of alcoholism. Bill wasn't. What we really have is a daily reprieve, contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. Every day is a day when we must carry the vision of God's will into all our actions. And this is what Bill's um, philosophy was this is this is how he lived. He said he thought more of how can I best serve thee, not my will, but thine be done. And these are thoughts that must go with us constantly. This is this is how Bill got through that, and this is how, especially at the beginning of my abstinence and my experience in OA, this is how I had to um, turn away. From from the birthday cake and and all the things that I binged on before, I heard very very soon after I got into the rooms of OA about staying in fit spiritual condition, and so as someone else told me, someone else that's on this line that it's more important probably that. We write down our spiritual practices and we do our checklist. Have I done the spiritual practices? Probably more important than writing down our food, although that's a practice that many people um, profit from. So there is an explanation for how this happened. It wasn't Bill. It was this God in his life, and it was that he kept in fit spiritual condition. Thank you. Thank you, Penny C. Is there anyone else who wants to share on these characters? Matt Barbara M. B. Okay, that's Barbara. all I'm going to take is Matt M. and Barbara B. And you'll each get about two and a half minutes. Okay. Go ahead, Matt M. Can you hear me, Rebecca? I hear you, Matt. Thank you for your service. Good morning, everyone. This is Matt M. Closer for Eater. Yeah, if it wasn't for Bill and his higher power and God coming into Bill's life and taking him by the hand and leading him to that uh, phone, I know I wouldn't be here. You can see all through this, all through this process is how AA got started, that God has worked his mysterious ways through all of this, how people met, came into Bill's life, and one by one, and how things just started to happen pretty rapidly once he met Dr. Bob. It's a miracle how this all happened, this, this fellowship. And all because one alcoholic wanted to help another. He, wanted, he, he needed to keep himself sober. So he decided to go help another alcoholic, and that's amazing because I don't know about him. I don't know if I would have had the same strength of will and with, and with God's help to do that, to stay out of that bar. It's like the same thing as a buffet for me. It was the same thing, stay out of that buffet. And I'm grateful that, you know, he did 
he did go see Dr. Bob because they started the fellowship together, and that's what we need. That That's the reason I'm alive today, because I should be dead ten times over in a, in a, in a casket too big for someone my size, too small for someone my size, you know. I'm just grateful I'm here today, and with the help of the higher power and with the help of God and with the help of the fellowship, thank you for it. Let me share with that. I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Matt M. Barbara B., you actually could take three minutes after all. Thank you. This is Barbara B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Massachusetts. I love this passage, and it served me very well, especially in early recovery, because I took that old insidious insanity that could return, and I can remember a given day where I took that phrase and that gesture where it says that Bill, with a shiver, he turned away and walked down the lobby to the church directory. So I thought, that's the way I want to be able to handle things. And I can remember a given day when um, I was raising children and uh, teenagers and it was stressful and all that stuff, and I had to go to the mall for something. And the smells of the food court and the smells, I was in a very vulnerable position. And I can remember thinking of this passage and recalling Bill with the the lure of the attraction of the bar, and I took my, I remember taking my body and actually forcing a shiver, and it was like such a wake-up to what I was dealing with, to the insidious insanity of that first bite and what it would do and bring the whole house tumbling down. And so I did that as a practice. I used to say, well, when I'm going into places that that could get into my nose, my ears, whatever, I would make myself shiver. It was a a simple gesture that called up this whole experience of Bill Wilson uh, with the bar and choosing to go to the church directory and look at all that's come of it. So I'm very thankful to be looking at it once again. Uh, This is Barbara B., and I pass. Thanks, Barbara B., with one minute to spare, I think I, Rebecca F., will just take that minute to share. And I am a grateful compulsive overeater. And I was thinking about how on page 102 it says um, basically that we can go anywhere if we're on good, solid, spiritually fit ground. And then it says, but be sure you are on solid spiritual ground before you start and that your motive in going is thoroughly good. Do not think of what you will get out of the occasion. Think of what you can bring to it. But if you are on, if you are shaky, you had better work with another alcoholic instead. And so the reading today refers to how Bill first thought maybe he could have a bottle of ginger ale and then he had that strange mental twist in the very next sentence where um, perhaps he could handle say three drinks no more Um, it just flipped and so he was on thin ice and he had a shiver he was on shaky ground so he worked with another alcoholic instead and that's such good advice for all of us. If we aren't recoiling as if from a hot flame, um, go work with another uh, compulsive overeater. And with that, I will pass. And now we get to the closing part of our meeting. 
Thank you everyone for your participation in this meeting and for the opportunity to be of service. The reference number for this meeting, Thursday, October 5th, 2017, 7 a.m. Eastern Time is 10505-10505. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Leslie W. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only to the end of the page. Yes, I will. Thank you so much uh, for allowing me to give service today. This is Leslie W. recovered in, in Tennessee. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God 